what's up y'all welcome to another episode of the good news cast great to have you with us today we're going to talk about essentially the mission of the church um obviously jeff and i both being in church work ministry work uh, very important topic to us but here's why we would topic talk about it on the podcast because um whatever uh, church you go to the leaders the pastors whatever thing they think their mission is that's where they're going to lead you um, and so it's good to know okay what is our mission as the church here in the world here in whatever town or city community you live in um, we're going to talk about three categories that we use here at redeemer a lot to talk about i mean we could almost say even just like our purpose right but but in, in particular the mission of the church and we're going to use those three categories to talk about ways that churches can derail and and start moving in in uh the wrong direction regarding their mission so three things i know jeff you often say well i'll just let you say them but let's talk through the categories the three categories that we think through in terms of our mission our purpose this is how we filter a lot of decisions it's how we filter a lot of uh okay what emphasis does this ministry have and why um and then once you kind of break those three categories down uh we'll talk about ways that that in each one, churches can kind of derail, yeah, including us, like yeah. uh, ways we're tempted. Right. So, you know, we say we're we're for gospel growth in people or for reaching and renewing as many people as possible with the gospel. We're about being a gospel church. So practically, even like aspects of like what are aspects of healthy ministry um, would involve three things, connecting to God by the power of the gospel, right? Connecting to one another by the power of the gospel, uh, and connecting to a gospel mission uh, in the city you're in and the place you're in. So those three aspects um, seem to be uh, the healthiest churches embody, implement, uh, circle their ministries around those three aspects of ministry. So yeah, they don't always mean that every ministry has them all equally present at the same time. Uh, certain ministries might lead with one and the other two would assist. Like one ministry might be leading directly with connecting to God, connecting to others, connecting to mission. And then the others two are, are kind of behind it, assisting it. Uh, and if you look at the, the Bible spiritual gifts, it's kind of interesting. They kind of cluster around those areas too. Um, so to be a healthy church, to have healthy ministries, to, uh, you, you must have the gospel informing, uh, empowering, energizing uh, those three areas. So um, w- what, let, let's, let's get, I, I think at first I thought maybe we'll spend a couple minutes breaking that down, but I think yeah. actually what might be more interesting uh, to hear us talk about um, among many things that people are interested to hear you and I talk about uh, <laughs> would be ways that we can derail. Yeah. So, uh, kind of off the cuff, let's maybe go through each category and what are ways that churches can derail. Obviously, some of these ways may be ways that our church is not tempted to derail. Right. Some of them might be. Right. I mean, we're going to have our own temptations regarding how we derail. Um, but let's start with. Uh, I'll, I'll just start um, yeah. since I'm already talking about. It, but uh, connecting uh, with God. One of the first thing that comes uh, to my mind when you think about a church's mission being derailed in regards to its mission to connect with God. And when I think of connecting to God, I think there was a, um, a survey was like a a Pew, uh, what is it? Pew research put out a survey where it it was surveying. Why do people go to church and are they going to church? And if I remember correctly, one of the biggest things people said 
was I go to church to connect with God in some form or fashion, right? We know this biblically, the gospel reconciles us to God. Um, I'd rather have no friends and no family, but be reconciled to God than have all the friends and family in the world and not. This is the principal message of the Bible is our reconciliation to God, being connected to him in friendship, uh, in uh, I'm an adopted son or daughter. I am now reconciled to him, justified mm-hmm. before I'm going to have life with him forever. Um, to me, the first thing that comes on my mind when I think a church getting derailed regarding that mission is forsaking the word of God. Yeah. No longer. I mean, obviously there's a spectrum there of what that could look like. The obvious way could look like preaching obvious, clear heresy, forsaking uh, the faith that has been passed down from Jesus to the apostles and on. Right. Um, I think the more subtle ways though, apart from just this like outright heresy that can happen maybe in more our world, um, honestly could be preaching sermons, let's say doing Bible studies. And in particular, let's think about the sermon. I think it's probably helpful where it's not so much that um, you can pinpoint exactly what was wrong or what was in error but almost more like I'm not even entirely sure what scripture text we were looking at. Right. Um, I'm not entirely like if you after the sermon was done, if you said what book of the Bible and what specific verses from that book were in most focus. I think a lot of times uh, in too many churches, it's I don't I don't actually know. So the text might not be opened at all. Mm-hmm. Or if it's opened up, it's it's more of the topics leading the way, which is mm-hmm. fine if the topic is leading you to the text because the topic's in the text, right? But yeah. It's more cursory, yeah. quick, cursory, yeah. quick. I don't really need to bring my Bible to church. I don't really need to open it uh, during the sermon to like give too much attention to it. I think that that can be an easy way where the church just starts to kind of drift yeah. away from the Word of God. And we might say something would be like, on our outrageous scale, that would be like good advice on steroids, right? Because mm-hmm. it's just mostly coming in to maybe get leadership principles from Nehemiah or learn how to, you know, mm-hmm. bring down your giants mm-hmm. by David and here's some principles or five smooth stones, each stone that he used. I mean, those are the most obvious outlandish examples. Yeah. Right. Which makes sense because what is written on our hearts is the law. Yeah. Not the gospel. What's written on our hearts, our conscience is uh, morally focused on what we do, who we are. So if we drift from the word of God where the gospel is, we're going to drift back into ourselves, which means when we preach a sermon based on basically what's coming out of us, it's going to be morally focused, yeah, central, uh, centered on ethics and who we are and what we do, yeah. As opposed to the Bible, again and again and again, going here's good news, yeah. here's good news, here's good news. And some of the more subtle, other subtle forms of this could be like just your spiritual life, spiritual principles, spiritual resources mm-hmm. for how to grow your spiritual life. That those can also take precedent, and you can get everything from as practical as you know. Here are the spiritual disciplines you do, but. There's always, there seems to be, I know in the tradition I came from, connecting to God was mostly about an experience and mostly about uh, some sort of spiritual technique or way to activate and access God. Mm -hmm. And so the focus was on this particular thing. Like, you know, if it got to Moses and it says, take off your shoes, you know, this is holy ground. 
Uh, I remember whole sermons, hearing whole sermons about, did you see the burning bush? Mm -hmm. And how to see the burning bush first. Uh, It's just, you know, kind of weird stuff, but but it's, it's in that weird quasi-spirituality of connecting with God. Like there's these spiritual secrets or spiritual yeah. principles or points or something that each text is telling you how to connect with God. And I think that's another way that you get sidelined and you, and you yeah. don't know how to connect with God. It's another subtle moralism. It's another yeah. so, uh, subtle way of confusing law and gospel. And I think I think, because I know we're going to talk about it, it seems in, on all these categories um, that the church, when it's come through COVID, the chaos of COVID, uh, and the, the fragility of the world that everybody feels now, uh, that that stuff just, it, it doesn't hold up. Mm-hmm. Um, it mm-hmm. doesn't, it becomes irrelevant. It becomes like, I, I really don't need that. Yeah. Uh, Jay Gresham Machen uh, had a famous quote where he basically says, like, you have all this messaging for me. He's kind of talking to the church at large. You have all this message. He's talking to kind of the, the church going into uh, liberalism. You have all of this uh, messaging for me, but I have one question for you. Do you have any good news? I mean, I think today that especially on our phones where we're just constantly in this onslaught of be better, eat healthier, right? It's like, oh, the new data has come out that, you know, broccoli is killing you, you know, and it's just like this constant thing. I think probably maybe, maybe more than ever, people are hopefully going to church going like, I get it. I know you've got 10 steps to this and this discipleship manual and a new uh, thing about how I need to be more like Daniel. That's great. But do you also have any good news for me? Yeah. Because I'm failing miserably. Yeah. Um, so I, almost ironically, I think what we're even saying here, I'm realizing is that one of the ways you can get derailed as a church regarding connecting people to God is thinking that you can connect people to God via uh, morality, via yeah. performance, via works. It's like you could be a church that's heavily uh, focused on connecting people to God, but when you abandon the good news as the way we are reconciled to God, as the fuel for our relationship with God, ironically, you're actually leading people just into themselves. Yeah. Um, okay, connecting yeah. connect people to God, connecting people uh, to each other. By the way, to pick on ourselves, I'm sure we could all give a thousand ways, PCA pastors, of ways we think we're tempted. I think sometimes we're tempted, but maybe a little bit by um, holding on to traditions, maybe, regarding... Um, this I, I feel more connected to God, you know, uh, when this style of music is played. Yeah. When this level of sobriety is felt in a worship service. Yeah. Um, the Lord's Supper hits different, you know, when there's this really long introduction and heavy fencing. If you have any idea what that is, and if you don't, it's okay. Yeah. Right? Um, uh, I think sometimes we hold on to these things that... that um, that, that are nowhere in the Bible no. to say that this is a, no. a, a way to connect to God. No, and they're you know. strangely connected to personality and preferences. Sure. And yeah. then what ends up happening is your personality and your preferences get divinized yeah. or spiritualized or moralized as this is the way to connect with God. Yeah, yeah so our tradition is loaded with traditional stuff. Right, <laughs> right. right. And so that, that could look like a lot of things, but 
music is usually a big one. Uh, liturgy is usually a big one. And then what are forms or technologies and all of those mm-hmm. are a big one. Everything from a hymnal to certain prayer books to whatever. Yeah. Yeah. If we use these right books or forms or yeah. methods, that will connect me to God. Yeah. Or, or ironically, it could be like, you know, you got an app that has all of them versus a book that has them. And all of a sudden the book is more superior yeah. than the app. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, connect people to God. How can churches derail? How can we be tempted at Redeemer? I think it's helpful to probably pick on ourselves as much as we can um, uh, to not connect people to people, uh, not necessarily people to the city outside, you know, on right. a mission, but um, building community. The first thing that, that comes to my mind on this topic is uh, I think that it's easy to to want to come to church. Yeah sit in the pew, um, in particular, have the exact kind of surf, uh, service that meets your preference, uh, either be really happy with it or be critical about it and send emails Monday about you wish the service was like this, you know, right. X, Y, and Z, wish the style of music was different. And, um, you know, and like that becomes like your mission in the, in the body of Christ. Like, uh, you don't, I mean, this again, kind of off the cuff, there's no, there's no real sense uh, of volunteering. I mean, I think that can also come from the top down where maybe you don't have a good culture of volunteering and, yeah. and asking people to serve and to be a part and connect and, and take care of each other and love each other and meet needs, you know? Um, but when church kind of becomes, and even leaders, I think, settle into, we're okay if we have good, strong attendance on Sunday and yeah. the service goes well, mm-hmm. and, uh, and maybe we even have growing attendance. But then when you look into it, you go, well, but do these people know each other? Yeah, are they connecting, making friends, having community, doing life together? Yeah. Willing to sacrifice for each other? Yeah. I mean, yeah, do, are there friend groups actually forming where people actually enjoy each other and they're bonding? But even beyond that, whether someone is a functionally good friend or not, I'm willing to sacrifice maybe time, maybe energy, maybe money, maybe fill in the blank to help this person. Yeah. Because they're a part of the body of Christ. They're part of the family, the church of God, past, present, future. They're part of my local church family, right? Even as I'm saying this out loud, I'm realizing, you know, I wonder if one of the ways that that churches can derail is they, they don't lead out in that. Yeah, people aren't people aren't connecting to each other. There's, you know, there's that whole thing. You can be alone in a room full of people, mm-hmm. and I mean, if one thing the pandemic and all the chaos in the culture has brought is, uh, if you look at all the studies, anxiety and loneliness have gone through the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it's easy to see how the pandemic isolated people, right? But I think now that people are even back and in groups of people, I still think that that sense of loneliness and disconnection from people is prevalent. And it's interesting that the stats are showing that, that people are exiting the church. I mean, even the stats that we've been looking at in terms of uh, pastoral training where seminaries would, seminaries are shutting down, major seminaries shutting down, selling their properties, going to office buildings and just housing there. So it's seminaries gone to online. That's one aspect, but two, but the numbers in and of themselves have drastically dropped the availability of pastors to replace ministries and churches has drastically dropped. And people are also saying the quality of ministers has drastically mm-hmm. dropped. So something's going on. I mean, and, and everybody's writing about it. All denominations, I think, are feeling it. 
Um, so you just got to wonder again, something happened uh, that made the church either relevant or irrelevant. And we're trying to tell everybody, we're trying to say to ourselves and say to those of you that are listening and, and to rediscover, so to speak, the relevancy of the church, which is the relevancy of the gospel that the gospel is the only thing that is relevant. Mm-hmm. Good news is the only thing that's relevant. It's the only, how do you connect with God? The only th- relevant answer is by the gospel. How do you connect with people? The only relevant answer is by the gospel. Mm-hmm. The gospel forms deep, redemptive, unshockable people mm-hmm. and redemptive relationships that you learn to relate and work through things and be loyal and forgive and not be shocked at someone's mess and come alongside them as a fellow messed up person. I mean, people long for that, to actually be known, loved, and accepted, to experience the acceptability in Jesus Mm -hmm. and the acceptability of another human being, breathtaking. Mm -hmm. Uh, People are starving for that. They're starving not just for, you know, someone to notice them that they're not invisible, but to actually like connect. And the gospel does that. And again, it seems that if we look in our own town, we look at what's happening in the churches, you look at what's happening uh, in the United States, even around the world, that this is, the relevancy of the church is, is a serious question. Mm-hmm. And many people are not finding it relative, mm-hmm. relevant, I should say. Uh, so we're asking what makes a church relevant. I think too, on that, um, I think the importance of, uh, it, it's so important to know that the gospel reconciles us to one another. And I was just thinking as you were talking, you know, outside of Christianity, like let's let's say in the atheistic or agnostic world, let, let's say in the world of we all just evolved from slime and there's no rhyme or reason to any of this. If you think about relationships and communities, there is no such thing Why? as a loving, gracious community. And you could say, well, well, no, you can still be a loving, gracious community. Okay, on what basis, though? Because we're all in this evolution rat race. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, You're a competitor. Yeah, yeah. We, we are competing. Like if in, yeah. in an atheistic, agnostic world where there is no God and we just are random, there is no, there is no reason that I should treat you well. No. I, I can... You, you are nothing but, you know, some have called just stardust. Yeah. Like you're just this, like a tiny piece of this cosmic explosion um, and so why would I feel any obligation to help you, serve you, be gracious to you? Well, to make a nice society. Who cares about a nice society? No, I want my genes to dominate. I care about my life. Yeah. And even in other religions, outside of Christianity, all you get is a performance-based uh, religion. Yeah. So even there, it is competition. It yeah. is a constant, am I doing better than you? I hope I'm doing better than you. The first will be first, the last will be last. Then you get to this wild thing called Christianity, where the first will be last, the last will be first, where it is this grace-based, forgiveness-based uh, relating to one another. Why? Because that's what God does. So interesting. And it, it made me think it's like in other religions and other systems of philosophies, people aren't loved, they're used. Mm-hmm. So... People are used for something that benefits you and me, mm-hmm. and um, and and in Christianity, people are an end in themselves. Yeah, I mean, you in Christianity, it is uh, you are broke, poor, not very smart, uh, 
physically uh, incapable of working very hard. Um, and then you take another person, rich, successful, physically dominant, super smart, just, you know, the whole package, whatever that package is. And Christianity says there is no difference in how you treat those two people. Yeah. None. They're just both made in the image of God, both loved by God, especially when you're talking about in the family of God, both reconciled to God in the same exact way. <laughs> with equal footing. Just think about just even all the, the cultural issues that are going on from racism and yeah. the justice. And yeah. I mean, how this solves that. 100% does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's there's no, pretty it's breathtaking, doesn't it? Black, white. Yep. When, you, when you understand the gospel, you understand Christianity, there's no... Um, it, it there it there's no justification for it. Yeah. It it is you realize, oh, that's a completely man made comparison in yeah. a way of dominating each other that atheism definitely helps with. So even like the uh the identity issues, you know, everybody has an identity for everything, right? Uh the Bible would call that an identity by works. And that identity by works is actually losing yourself. It's losing your identity. Uh, but when your identity is found most fundamentally in Jesus's gracious love for you, uh, that's that's unifying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the basis of building a healthy identity. Uh, who Jesus is and what He's done for you, and His most fundamental love for you, and His grace towards you, and His mercy towards you that that puts you back together again, and it also enables you to treat other people the same way. Um, so anyhow, we've talked again, about connecting. Again, yeah. Again, the same answer, connecting with God. How do you get derailed? Drift from the gospel. Connecting with people. How do you derail? Drift from the gospel. If you want to create division and problems in a church community, just drift from the gospel Yeah. and just leave people to themselves. Right. Um, to a, especially to like a religious moral performance world that is going to be cutthroat in a church community. Those of you that are uh, more theologically minded, this is called justification or sanctification by works. Uh, if it's Paul in Galatians, justification by faith is the gospel. It's the gospel for connecting with God. It's the gospel for connecting with people. And it's the gospel for connecting the mission. Uh, but he also was saying he was writing to the church and he was trying to make that church healthy and make the Christians healthy. And how did he do that? He gave them the gospel. Mm -hmm. And he was saying, you've wandered away from the gospel. You've turned to a justification or an acceptance based on works, mm -hmm. not faith. You've turned to a sanctification or a Christian life based on works, mm -hmm. not of faith. So those of you that are thinking more that way, that might help what we're saying here. Lastly, uh, we'll do this. Let's do this quick. How can churches derail from the mission uh, to reach more people? The first thing that comes to my mind is similar to what we've already said, which is we get really comfortable with ourselves. We get really comfortable with what we're doing in terms of when we gather for worship on Sunday or this ministry program or this thing. Um, and we get so comfortable that, you know, people have compared it to like a country club. Uh, perhaps maybe this like real closed door thing. We just yeah. kind of do things the way we do. Um, people have compared it to like being a cruise ship versus like a warship. 
cruise ship as we come, you know, and we're just here to have a great time. All whatever. the amenities, all of our preferences filled. Yeah. Whatever that is, right? right? Whatever it's like whatever those preferences are, this style of music, this length of sermon, this mm-hmm. is how the sermon the service flows. This and style, this culture, yeah. I want this ministry to do these certain things. And we just I, I, I see it for myself. I see it in the church. It is so easy. Mm-hmm. It is so it is so easy to to go down that rabbit hole of just like forgetting that um, we are not in glory yet. It's yeah. just, it is, we're not in the blissful presence of God yet. Um, we are still, and uh, Pastor David Rapp, who's planting a church in Colorado, spoke this past Sunday, phenomenal job, talking about how the church is in the world, and um, we are not to act like we're not in the world. We we are in the world just like Jesus was in the world. I loved when David said, like, he said, think about it. Jesus hung out with people who didn't believe in him. Like in our language, Jesus hung out with non-Christians, which at the core of it was like, you don't believe in me. You don't trust me yeah. with your sin. Right. You, know? you don't trust that I can save you. Um, but Jesus hung out with those people, right? He spent time with those people. He rubbed shoulders with those people. Um, and I think that we can sometimes get so wrapped up in like trying to fine tune, for instance, a Sunday morning service yeah. that we forget that Monday through Friday or whatever, uh, we are in a world that is in a present darkness um, with just a lot of times so much opportunity, Yeah. whether it's numerical opportunity, like I've got a hundred people that aren't Christians I connect with, or maybe it's just my life right now. There's like one friend, there's one uncle, there's one family member who I'm connecting with a lot. They don't believe in Jesus. It's my kids, all these opportunities um, to go, Oh yeah. Like the church right now is, is positioned in a dark world to be salt and light to share the gospel in normal, everyday, ordinary ways, you know, uh, you, you talk about it. I can't remember how you say it, but the gospel runs the path of relationships of ordinary relationships, yeah. right? Normal, in the community. ordinary relationships. Yeah. So that was long winded to say, you know, I think the church needs to see itself more as, yeah, we're a warship. We're on a warship, if you will, uh, with this mission to accomplish. Yeah. So the, the mission is the gospel. And you know, again, that seems like, okay, we get it. We get it. But do we get it? Right. Yeah. Because there's many missions out there. And if your mission, if your mission is not what connects you to God, it's not what connects you to each other, then it's certainly not going to be your mission into the world. Yeah. You're going to have, as we're seeing, I think, I think the statistics of one of these denominations that we saw, I mean, like 400 and something thousand people left the denomination. Mm -hmm. How many churches was it around? It was like 415 churches or something. Yeah. Like 400 churches. And you wonder, you know, like, why? What's yeah. the mission? How can that many people leave unless they are conflicted over the mission? Mm-hmm. Uh, if your mission uh, is longer than one, you have the wrong mission. When I first was planting this church, I had so many people, I, you know, was meeting with so many people, and people would come up to me and say, hey, man, are you about, are you about reaching people and, and um, going where people are lost and unbelieving and skeptical and doing evangelism. And I, and I, I looked at them like a, a deer in the headlights. Yeah, of course. And then other people would come up to me and say, Hey man, are you going to be about like Christians building Christians up and mm-hmm. growing them and strengthening them and the discipleship? And, and I, I would look at them again, like the deer in the headlights. Of course. Uh, if your mission is not the gospel, cause the gospel hits everybody. The gospel reaches people. The gospel reaches the Christian. The gospel reaches the skeptic. The gospel growing in all of us is the mission. 
if that's the mission, uh, it's singular, it's powerful, it's energizing, uh, it's being a part of what God is doing and what Jesus is doing in the world as he builds his church, that's the mission we're to be a part of. But if you have, our mission is these five things, you don't have a mission. You have a to-do list, and quite frankly, I guarantee you, you're not doing that to-do list. Right, right. The gospel connects us to God. We need to stay, hold fast to the gospel. It reconciles us to each other. We need to hold fast to the gospel. And we have we have nothing to offer the world. You know, Paul said, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're of all men to be pitied. Like, this is the dumbest invitation we could give out to spend your Sunday morning you know, singing songs with us and listening to a 40 minute sermon, all this kind of stuff. It's the dumbest thing in the world. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and if Jesus did rise from the dead, then I'm trying to figure out a way to state it. That's not an understatement. It's everything. It's absolutely everything. It's everything. It is. It is. If Jesus rose from the dead, then we can know God and we can be reconciled to each other and start treating each other more appropriately and how we're made to, and, and then if Jesus rose from the dead, we actually have good news. Yeah. The entire world is full of do this, don't do this, be this kind of person. And then Christians come in with this radical message of it's all been done for you. Mm-hmm. It's done. It's all been done for you. Um, all right. Hopefully that's helpful. Uh, went, uh, maybe a little long, but uh, hopefully that's helpful. And uh,